Hey, hey, everybody out there in podcast land. I am Will, or Halfling Wizard. You can find me on social media, and I am one of three of the Divergents coming at you this evening. I will let my co-hosts introduce themselves, and I'm going to let them choose their own order this time. Kind of imposed my order on them last time. Thank you, Mikey. Saludos, programas, and welcome. I am Adolfo, the nerdy Puerto Rican, here at the Vibe Tribe. You can catch me on the Brave New World. Neon Memories Academy and over at the Biconics. But I am here with my two other beautiful humans in the Divergence. And tonight we are finishing up our conversation on accessibility? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's accessibility plus representation. Right. Yes. Stem together Uh, a little bit. And we were going to, we were going to speak about representation in accessibility representation in movies and the Mm -hmm. tv and cinema yes i think last time we ranted on about barbara gordon yep which got us into the comic book conversation yeah and i think it's funny not really funny i have when we talk about like accessibility and visibility and things of like that in movies, one of the one of the coolest moments in a movie that I remember was in the King the Kingsman. I think it's the one with the woman that has like the swords for legs. Oh yeah. Yeah, I loved yeah. that. I used to thought I was like, wow, look at that. That is really cool. She's vicious, but I was like, look at that. There's a handy, handy capable person. And, and I thought they were represented in the coolest way. Yes, they were represented as a villain, but I thought, wow, isn't that cool? I was like, that's so neat. And I know it's, it's such an odd example because, again, she's like super villain. And you get into that whole thing about, you know, about, oh, so only handicapped people can be villains in movies. I can't be like the hero or anything. But let's talk about that. So, what are your thoughts on that sort of thing? I. That is a very that is a very sharp razor's edge to dance on you know, because uh-huh. the, the, then you start going into the that whole the conversation of all oh only brown people play villains or only this play real only that play villains i i think in the case of the kingsman that character which we have to look up her name but i think she was fantastic and her fight scene that was one of the most inventive so cool <laughs> fight right and super cool fight scenes that i've seen in a long time in cinema and it's actually funny you, you mentioned her because over the weekend i was uh, we went over to my in-laws house and on on the way back we were coming back early sunday morning to our house and i actually saw an individual who was a uh, Double a double leg amputee who was out running with those types of uh, the the blades. Yeah, the, yeah, the running. Yeah, and I apologize if I'm using the incorrect terminology, but the the uh, the amputation, the oh, what the heck, what is it called? I am such a horrible person. But yeah, they were out running with the with the things, and it, it I was it was just it was really cool seeing them get at it. So even though. Coming back to the Kingsman, Mikey, did you get the name? Yep. That's it. Yeah, even, and again, this is my own personal thing. 
my own personal thought, but even though Gazelle was a villain, she was a, a cool villain. So, and there's always, you know, there's always that thing of you either, you can either write them bad or you can or write them good. And I think in this case, it was a, a case of a handicapable person being written well, very well. Because, because she was also, she wasn't also just a badass with her legs, but she, it was a very interesting flip of the narrative because the true villain, Samuel L. Jackson's character, was super squeamish about blood and germs and stuff like that. And Gazelle was just like, would you please, really? When she would go and, as they would say back in the day, she had a bigger ball sack than he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the metal running thing, they're actually called blades. Okay. So the blades, there we go. Uh, I looked them up. That was, thank you. So yeah, that was, uh, I think that her portrayal was done well. Now I can give an example of a portrayal in a movie that was not done well. And that was the most, actually, I can't even say the most recent predator movie. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. It was the 2018 predator movie called the predator where the, the, the predator was actually hunting supposedly the son of the main protagonist because the son has was is the son is autistic and according to the movie autism the genetic makeup of autism is like the final link that's needed to bring the predator race to the next evolutionary step or something like that where which sounds cool on paper but unfortunately what they ended up doing was using the normal old like tropes for this little kid like they were a super genius at at numbers and they didn't like talking to anyone and they were constantly by themselves type thing so it was very it was very much a just like a really backhanded portrayal. I have to say, I have to say, better interrupt, but I have to say, that sounds like an awful idea. Having, now this can carry, this actually carries this into the other half of what we're going to talk about, which is exploitation of things, of accessibility and things of that nature. To use autism as, and I think they probably were trying to make it like a good thing. Like autism is not a bad. It's not bad. It's like the next evolutionary. I get that, but that that really seems. I don't even know what the word for it is. It's just that just is, the, when, the whole time they were talking about it, I was just like, that sounds like such a bad idea. Yeah, and that was that's the whole thing. They because in the movie, the the kid is actually able to access the predator's armor and is able to like use the predator's armor and shit and like. When they get to the predator ship, it's the kid that can open the door without any issues because he has that autistic trait of being super good with numbers and uh, what have you. So, yeah, they really, I don't even want to say they really tried, but it, it seemed like it was a very half-hearted attempt at making, of making autism a, a superpower, as it were. And that's kind of where I'm iffy about it. And not not the autism being a superpower thing, but I don't think I think that if you have to draw attention to it, 
Like you have to say, he's autistic. His autism is what makes him important. And I'm like, I think that you shouldn't you just create a character that is autistic and let them let them win the day. Yeah. Rather opposed to going, that's this autism that's they're really after. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where my prickles started to go up. And I think that has to do with Hollywood's wanting to, they're wanting to run to get to the finish line. Like, they want to run, and they're like, you know what we should do? We should put, we should put as many POCs as we can in every movie we, can, we make. We should put as many gay characters as we can in every movie that we make. We should put, we should put as many handicapped people in every movie that we make. And, and yay, we'll have everything. And so we don't get characters that are three-dimensional, that are super complex. We get a lot of stereotypes. And I can look, you know, you can look back when we're talking about villains and things like that. Gay people, when gay people were in movies, gay characters were in movies, they were either the super foppish clown characters or they were the bad guy. They were the murderers. They were the, the people who's got it in the end in the hobs. So... I think what Hollywood needs to do, of course, no one's asked me my opinion on it, but I'm going to give it anyway, is I think that if they're going to make a movie, like a whole POC, people of color movie, then they need to make a movie where the characters make fucking sense. And not just, hey, let's put a bunch of brown people in a movie and make lots of money on it, because a lot of brown people will go see it. And I'm a white guy, and I enjoy movies about that have POCs as main characters. I do. Like I, I enjoy like the Lexanda Forevers and things of that nature. I love that those type of things. But I also like characters that have depth. If you just throw a brown, black, yellow, whatever person in a role just so that you can get that particular audience in your seats. I think that is a huge disservice to the community in which that character represents. So I think these super, like when in the 90s, early 2000s, when gay characters started to hit the scene, like truly, they were so two-dimensional gay characters that there was no depth to them. And people were just like, oh, look, there's gay people on the movies. And it's all, okay, because Mikey was saying, that's an aspect. It's not who they are, but that's how they're represented. It's like they are gay. So gay is the way it is. They're usually flamboyant or super in the closet, or there's no true depth to them. They're, there's very much two dimensional stereotype. And that annoys me. And not just for like gay characters, not all characters. Because being a theater person, character. Depth is extremely important to me. So when you have two-dimensional superheroes, just because it's like, hey, we need to create a gay superhero, so let's create one real quick and throw it in this movie for the last 15 seconds of the movie. And then it's just, it just pisses me off. It just pisses me off. And I know people are like, oh, but it's representation. Like, no, it's not. It's exploitation. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, so just really quick, bouncing off of the points that the two of you made, especially when it comes to to handicapable individuals and mental health issues in Hollywood, they I feel that the writers they don't do 
any research or whatever research they do is very just like on on the surface type and that's where they that's where they pull all like the stereotypes and stuff like that and they'll throw it on there and they'll be like this is how an autistic person operates this is how a oh man what cognitive thing did rain man have what was that yeah that's how you get your rain mans and these roles and the other thing and then, and then the other part too is that a majority of the moviegoers when they go and see this they they like they look at rain man they're like oh that's such a heroic portrayal of someone like that or or like forrest gump you're forrest gump and the, the public just eats that up and it's no that's a stereotype and i think they based him off of a real character if memory serves me correctly okay excuse me i just burped and another another trope that hollywood likes to exploit is that the handicapable person is like the weakest link on the team so for example in blade three the character that natasha leone leone i think it is natasha leone plays uh her name is summerfield she was blind but she was the tech genius of the group and she was such a cool character but then they fridged her like we we got maybe like 10 minutes worth of screen time and then we she gets fridged and just taken out super easy just because she's blind and it, it, that was it's hollywood does that and it's so frustrating and they do that so that they can have the tag that the protagonist you know no they killed the zyman it's it's the whole fridging thing and it's so frustrating when that happens it just yeah all right thank you mikey the the other unfortunate thing is that it's the thought process of hollywood is moves much like a transoceanic cargo vessel in that once it starts going, it goes. Not fast, not slow, just like at this medium pace, right? And then, you know, good, good, bad, or indifferent, that's the way it's going. And then for it to actually make a turn, it takes forever to change its course. And I think that now we are in that the captain is trying to change course a little bit but it's still going to be it's still going to take a long time for the boat to really write itself and for these writers and these directors to actually do their research and do their their due diligence to create characters and now i'm not saying that uh there's not any characters out there that have disability that are portrayed bad the one character that comes to mind and maybe it is a hot spot i don't know but the tv show on abc the good doctor i mean that show's been on the only reason i bring that show is that show up is it's been on for a long time uh and i know that it's one of a few awards so i'm assuming and of course we all know what happens when i assume i make an ass out of me and me but i'm assuming that the portrayal of the main character who has some sort of social disorder 
Fact check Mikey. Fact check Mikey's fact checking. Fact fact checking. He's a fact checker. Fact a fact checker. Checking the facts. Checking the facts. Making sure Adolfo's not blowing out his ass. Okay. All right. So yeah, but it, I know this show's been on for a long time, and I know that they've had the same actor as that character. So I'm again, I'm making that assumption that it, it is at least an okay portrayal of autism and savant syndrome so now audience if you're out there and i'm wrong please feel free to tell me i'm wrong educate me please no no doubt that's it's that whole 15 minutes worth of fame thing which which is a shame but it would you're right it would be nice if instead of people reveling in that 15 minutes of fame and then moving on to the next thing if, if they would actually sit and sit and dwell or not dwell, but sit in that, sit in that uncomfort, discomfort, I should say, sit in that discomfort and learn. Uh, it, 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 along those lines, the, that vice news story that I watched a few weeks ago or the other week about air travel with a wheelchair, right? Over on Vice, I watched it on YouTube. They did a, a expose about air travel for people in wheelchairs and how it is a fucking nightmare how a lot of people's with wheelchairs especially the powered wheelchairs they're these which cost like in excess of 20,000 bucks these people quite often their wheelchairs get broken because the the flight crews they don't know how to break the break it down properly to fit in the undercarriage of the plane and so they just break these wheelchairs and the airline like gives little shits. The airline gives little shits about your lost luggage. Anyway, a person's wheelchair doubly so of shits not given. And it was very interesting to watch this. It, I feel that for the majority to learn about this, they need to sit into that, in that discomfort. They need to watch this expose and then they need to like sit, go speak with a person like it. Maybe they have a friend or a relative that, that, that needs a wheelchair or some sort of other movement assistance. Speak to them on it and live in that discomfort and then speak up about it. Because if it's one thing, this whole Dungeons and Dragons OGL thing reminded me is that there is power when people speak up when a lot of people speak up and if it if more than just the handy capable community speak up then maybe some of these changes could be made and we could see some of these changes in hollywood we could see some of these changes in daily life we could see some of these changes for for people that have to fly and and have invisible handicaps because that that's another thing too is invisible handicaps it's if if more people would just sit in that discomfort and learn about those situations and then speak up and add their voices to that i think more change could be made for the better instead of you know, tossing people these little breadcrumbs oh hey look 
they're here. There's an autistic kid in, in the Predator movie, but it's like a stereotypical autistic kid. Oh, here's a, you know, a here's a, a blind, a blind super tech savant. Oh yeah, she gets killed off in the first ten minutes for plot reasons, and I think that's where that change will happen. And on on the other side of that, us writers, both in Hollywood, and not Hollywood, and whatnot, we need to. If we do write about these things, we need to educate ourselves. We need to interview. We need to get down to get to, to get down and get our hands dirty so that you can write the most accurate portrayal and also move out of the way so if an artist, a handicapable artist wants to come up and present a thing, we need to move over and let them present their thing. And, and let them uh, and let more and more handicapable individuals into the spotlight so that ship can start really making that slow turn can start speeding up a little bit. That's just my two cents. And a valid two cents it was. Every nickel counts, man. Yeah. With me, it's the beating of that horse. Just do it right. <laughs> do it right the first time. And you don't have to worry about people coming at you. That's the thing. It's do your due diligence or do your research. You know, you don't know what it is. Google search it. You don't know what it is. That doesn't work. Talk to someone who does know what it is. <laughs> and it's like in those in the movies when, like, for instance, and I'll use Star Trek as an example because they're notorious for it. And that is, they're like, we want to make a movie. That's made by the fans. And it's, oh, this is cool. And then they don't actually do it, or they do a version of what they think the fans would want. And it's, if you're going to do a movie for the fans, then you should probably talk to them and get to know them. Like, actually get to know them, not just look at them from across a plate glass window at a Comic Con. Get down and get to know who they are. One of the greatest things, and this is a side note, is I went to a Star Trek convention back in the day when it was just Star Trek conventions. And Magical Barrett Roddenberry was that was one of the guest speakers. And she did a big forum speaking, like in the whole convention. And when she was done talking, they escort them out the back to go do whatever they're gonna do. But she wouldn't let them. She literally walked down in to the group of people. And talk to people as she walked to the autograph area, because that's where she was headed. And she literally was listening to these people. They were telling her their stories. And she's like, she's like, this is why my husband did what he did for people like you guys. He listened to you people. He listened to the fans of the show. So when he was talking, they were talking about Next Generation. She's like, when he was building Next Generation, he listened to the fans. Like, what do you want to see in Star Trek? What do you want? What is it that you would like to see? And a lot of that stuff was built on fan stuff. And then you have J.J. Abrams, God bless him. Who's like, oh, we're going to we have live feed with Star Trek fans. We're like, we're like, we're putting questions out there. and They don't really know what it is. We're just like scrolling the chat forums and trying to get information from the fans. And it's. And the new, the Abrams Star Treks were not horrible. They were pretty good for what they were. But it so wasn't really what fans wanted. But it was, 
it felt like a fan movie. That makes any sense? Like it felt like it was almost like it was fan made movie, basically. Yeah. And and I'm just like I don't know if you're Adolfo. I don't know if you're watching the card right now. Thirteen But you want to talk about fan made? Picard is fan made. That is for the fans, and I mean, it is. It has every freaking thing in it that a Star Trek nerd will love. Everything. Third season, especially. Third season is like super lip service to fans and Star Trek nostalgia and all this. Oh, it's fantastic! It's brilliant, and it's there. You go. That's how. If you just do it and you do it right. And you, you do your research and you go into it and you go, hey, this is what you guys want and we're going to give it to you. As opposed to, well, we listen to you, but we're going to interpret what you said to us in our own way and present it to you. And I think we see that a lot in superhero movies, too. That, yeah. that idea, here, I'm going to make a fan movie around this particular superhero, but not really. But anyway, very much, if you're going to do it, do it. The first time, and I already, I already jumped on my soapbox earlier. But if you're going to, if you're going to look at a character that's specific to a particular, either handicapable or a person of color, whatever, make them real people. Stop making them either that or they're either the sidekick. It's very rare that we get to see any of these people in a lead role, and it's and when we do, they usually end up dying tragically. Oh, I got use an example of Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, it was a great movie. It was. That's one of my favorites. But why did Jake John almost Yeah, we lost him. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Back to it. Yep. And don't think you're safe from it either, straight people, because that's when we start talking about fridging the girlfriend, which is another thing. I mentioned it earlier, but pretty much fridging the girlfriend. It was, it was a term that was coined in the comic industry when Carl Rayner, Green Lantern. So there is a storyline with one of the lanterns at DC, and the TLDR is that the dude's girlfriend ends up getting killed and put into a refrigerator, and he comes home and he finds her in the fridge dead, and that that spurs him on to go and fight the evil that needs to be fought. And that is a common trope in comics and also in movies where you, quote unquote, you fridge the girlfriend, a fe- where a female character has to die so that the male protagonist can feel guilt and the story has a more poignant point to move on from. I mean, me- media, we need to do better. We do. Overall. Overall, globally, globally. So, all right, all right. I think that's going to round us out tonight. I think. Thank you all for joining us, and of course, any comments or suggestions you have, please drop them in the comments. And we'd love to hear what you guys think and would like to hear us talk about. And I guess we'll sign off. I again, I'm Will, or Captain Wizard, and social media is here and there, and I'm one of three of the divergents. And I am Adolfo, the nerdy Puerto Rican. A, another of the three of the divergence. 
This has been a Vibe Tribe production. Remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, keep those good times rolling. We'll see you next time.